It's Thursday, December 1st. From inside the WTOP newsroom, this is the DMV Download Podcast, brought to you by Steamfitters Local 602. Get an estimate and learn more at steamfitters-602.org. Today, just weeks before he's sworn in, Democratic governor-elect in Maryland, Wes Moore, shares a little about himself, the challenges he faced on the campaign trail, and how his kids are getting their heads around this new life and home in the governor's house. She would ask questions like, if I go to the mall, am I going to have to have people with me at all times, like who aren't my parents? WTOP's Kate Ryan tells us about her one-on-one interview with Moore. From the moment he walked in to this conference room in Baltimore, um, it was clear he was going to enjoy this. Thanks for joining us. I'm Megan Cloherty. And I'm Luke Garrett. Wes Moore has never been a governor before. He's really never been elected to an office. But he says he's ready. The combat veteran, best-selling author, and former CEO of a nonprofit beat his competitor Dan Cox handily. But Moore says he's approaching the office with humility. See, he's facing a shifting political landscape in Annapolis as the very popular Republican Governor Larry Hogan leaves office. WTOP's Kate Ryan sat down with Moore yesterday and really tackled a range of topics. But this might help Marylanders get to know their governor a little bit more. First, we'll start with how this came together, Kate, because I know you're usually in the state house, running around with your hair on fire, covering votes, covering agenda, policy, like the harder stuff. So sitting down to kind of have a conversation one on one is a different feel. How did Moore seem when you started this interview? Well, it's a very interesting premise. We did start with the this is not about your campaign promises and what you're going to do to fulfill them, because there's plenty of time for that later. (laughs) Uh, But it was more about, you know, tell us more about you worked so hard to get this job. Now you've got it. Mm. But what's what are the underlying dynamics like? Do you lose sleep over things? What was it like? What did it feel like? Um, how do you handle your days? Just kind of the human stuff that all of us have to face every right. day. And some of the fun stuff, too. We have a current governor, and many people may not know he's a big softy when it comes to dogs. Seeing uh, Governor Hogan with a puppy is priceless. So, <laughs> And people can relate to that. Right. So we wanted to, you know, kind of uh, take a look at that with Wes Moore. And I have to tell you, from the moment he walked into this conference room in Baltimore— Um, It was clear he was going to enjoy this. He is someone who really enjoys sitting down with reporters. Um, What? (laughs) Very little guarded, very little. I have to say sometimes every politician does this. They'll lapse into the carefully crafted answer Mm. and you have to steer them out of it. Mm. But once it was clear that, no, I'm going to ask you about stuff like Old Bay. Do you really like it? (laughs) Um, Then it was like uh, we're off to the races. And and it was a fun interview. And I know that I risk my political reporter cred by saying that. And, of course, you know, balance. But, again, when we get back to hard news, there will be questions about that sort of thing. Yeah, but But he's a very likable guy. I mean, it seems that way. Yeah. And so this was a tell us more about yourself, not the campaign stuff, but you, Wes Moore, who are you? Right. So let's talk about Moore's family. His wife, Dawn, is no stranger to politics. That's right. And a lot of people, she's going to have to take on the role of first lady. And um, I think people have an idea in their heads of, oh, first lady is this mushy role that does. But you have to understand who she is. Mm. Graduate of University of Maryland. She worked on the uh, campaign for Kathleen Kennedy Townsend when she was running for governor and then served as special advisor to none other then Lieutenant Governor Anthony Brown Mm. when he was in that position. So this is someone who is steeped in Maryland politics. One of her mentors, and this is for the um, 
political nerds out there was John Willis. And mm. he's a towering figure in Democratic politics in Maryland. So very sharp, very politically keyed in, could certainly act as a an equal partner with her uh, husband, mm. who is a Rhodes Scholar, by the way, and we'll talk more about his resume. This is a power couple. Right. And so when I asked him about, you know, what about her role? Have you talked to her about this? Does this mean that, as Michelle Obama talked about in her life, sometimes she did the lion's share of kind of sacrificing on for her career? Mm. And he said, absolutely not. Um, I didn't. I would never ask her to step back. She is uh, a partner. And he talked about when he first proposed this, how she responded. None of this would have been real without her. Not to mention the fact that she would have had ultimate veto power. If she would have said, we're not doing this, the answer would have been, we're not doing this. And and I would have found something else to do. All right. So the fact that she didn't just give the okay, but was all in on this in such a really beautiful way was really powerful and important to me. She arguably knows more about the office than he does going into it. Seriously. (laughs) But then also they have to play parents as well. They have two kids. Moving into the mansion, I Mm. imagine, is not a small thing. I mean, moving in general is not a small thing with kids. (laughs) So moving into the governor's mansion. What did they say about the logistics of that? They are preparing for this. And it's funny. He he is a guy who is into preparation. Um, His military background helps him handle that sort of thing. And he had a sit down with his kids, too, to talk about, look, this is going to be changes. This means changes ahead. And he was very funny, and here's how his nine-year-old son, James, responded. I remember when we first started going through this journey, uh, our, our son was just very like, yeah, it seems cool. <laughs> he just didn't, he didn't have really many questions or thoughts into it, right? And then I said, okay, what about your 11-year-old daughter, Mia? And he described her as a very inquisitive young lady, and he has a lot of in-depth discussions with Ooh, her. I love that. So here's how she responded. She was asking questions like, what does this mean for my friends? What does this mean for my school? She would ask questions like, if I go to the mall, am I going to have to have people with me at all times, like who aren't my parents? You know, other... And so she was very clear as to how this was going to impact her. So one of the other things we talked about, though, was, you know, in an age of social media, how do, how do you protect your kids mm. from what they're going to be reading about in this political climate, both nationally and locally. And he he was very frank. He said, look, I had to tell her, you're going to hear things that are not true. And and you're going to have friends who have always been your friends. Then you're going to have friends who suddenly appear out of nowhere and want to be friends. Mm. And how do you handle that sort of thing? So, And he said, we'll take these as they arise. He's not going to steep them and get them anxious about this sort of thing. But he is also talking about making sure his kids are prepared for what's ahead because he and his wife bought into this, but the kids are kind of along for the ride. And one thing he said that really touched me, but no matter what happens, and the clear message was we may be the first lady and the governor, but we're still mom and dad. Mm. It's a whole other layer to that thing. Can you imagine thinking about that along with, oh, by the way, I have to figure out what I'm going to do and what my legacy is going to be as governor. Right, right. And there's also another campaign promise more made to his kids regarding a puppy. Speaking of puppies. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. And I set this up because, again, uh, governors and their pets, politicians and their pets are always good copy, right? People love to hear about this sort of thing. Mm. I've mentioned Governor Hogan and his dogs. And Hogan, when he got his dogs, made sure to go to a Baltimore dog rescue, got a pair of Shizus, a mother and a daughter, her puppy, 
Um, the mother was named Anna for Annapolis, and the puppy was named Chessie for Chesapeake. So, again. Wow, he really went for it. <laughs> yes. Maryland really dogs. And, but he really is genuinely a dog person. So I asked more. I said, look, uh, are we going to see pets in the, in the, and they call it governor's house mm. of the mansion. Okay. They call it a mansion. Mm. Uh, this is Maryland after all. <laughs> and, um, and he said, well, uh, yes. Yes, there will be a puppy in governor's house. And um, I joked with him saying if it were me, I would have pushed for a pony, but that's a whole other thing. <laughs> he sounds resigned to it, though. He's like, oh, yes, there will be. Well, and it's interesting because he said he had dogs growing up. Uh, so, And he had big dogs, German Shepherd-type dogs, uh, pit bulls, et cetera. Yeah. But he said the caveat would be that they the kids would have to agree on what kind of dog it should be, so what kind of breed and it has to be, quote, hypoallergenic mm. because his his wife is allergic to dogs. So mm. they have to find something that, that will work for everybody, which is always important. Um, special point of privilege here. I'm a former – I've worked in a dog <laughs> training facility. And we always said to people, everyone has to buy in because right. when there's an accident, you don't get to go, hey, it's yours. You right. know what I mean? You just have to take care of business. So, um, yeah, there will be a puppy in the in the governor's house, and um, uh, we'll find out. We'll get details as they come, as they become available. <laughs> this is completely random, but I was in Annapolis one time walking by the governor's house, and Hogan was outside watching the dogs do their business. Like, he was just outside hanging out yeah. in the yard. And my husband goes, hey, governor. And he's like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> but it was just so funny. It was like you can get so close because it's just in the middle of everything. And he's yeah, just having a normal moment, right? Speaking of the Hogans, they had traditions that they set up when it comes to the holidays in Annapolis and around the state house. Um, the Moors are coming into that. There's a little bit of expectation, right? Like just like in the White House, you have to have like, you know, the first lady has to set up all the trees and what the trees are going to be themed and mm. all that. How do they square your personal Christmas traditions with also then like what's expected of you because they're coming in right now when that's all happening. Well, now keep in mind this year's this season is already set and the Hogan's, by the oh, way, okay. the Hogan's are having uh, December 3rd, Saturday. You can go and visit the mm. governor's house um, and there's a reception. I'll, we'll get you the details. This is already set in motion, and the governor, uh, Governor Hogan, and First Lady Yumi Hogan will be holding a reception, as they have each year, um, at the governor's residence. And you can come in, and there's even going to be refreshments. It's oh, cool. lovely. But I asked him about, what about the State House? those lovely Christmas trees from every county in Baltimore City, mm. that Yumi Hogan was instrumental in arranging with garden clubs that each one would get their own tree in the state house. So when you go in, it's the coolest thing. If you haven't seen it, it's worth a trip. You can say, I'm from Montgomery County. What was their theme this year? I'm yeah. from Prince George's mm. County. What it's just like the state theme? trees around the, the national Christmas tree. Yes. Yes. Like the national. And it's in the rotunda of the state house, which again, on its own is worth a tour, folks. I'm telling you. So uh, I asked him, I said, I've been asked to ask you, will you continue the tradition? And he said, oh, Yes. He said, we're, we're a Christmas family. We take it very seriously in my house. Um, and he said, and I even think my kids will have some input. So that, that'll be interesting. So apparently, um, Garden Clubs of Maryland, fear not. Uh, I think this tradition <laughs> is going to be. And, and again, it, it, it speaks to so much of Maryland is this wonderful, they call it America in miniature, because 
you have the mountains, you have the ocean, you have the lovely farmland. Hmm. And it is reflected in the decorations of these trees. And I do think it helps people feel very connected to their government. He mentioned, too, something about how his family celebrates Christmas, right? I, I did ask him. Um, we all have our pet peeves about when is too soon for the first Christmas playlist ah, to yes. hit our ears, right? <laughs> and we all have our favorites. Are you... Uh, do you really believe that Mariah Carey is the queen of Christmas, for example? <laughs> oh or are you sick to death of hearing uh, Mariah Carey? I am in the, I'm pro-Mariah, I'm going to tell you. My mom cannot stand that that song. Your oh my mom gosh. is wrong. Uh, but so I, asked, I asked him, I said, um, what's on your playlist? And he paused for a second, but just a split second and said, it's got to be boys to men. And I said, really? I said, and he he's talking about the Christmas album they made originally in, I want to say it was 1993. It, it had to be the 90s. I, I, I've got to check that. But anyway, so it's their original Christmas album. I said, okay, what cut? Ooh. And he said, let it snow. Oh. And it's not the let it snow that you all, if you don't know this particular cut, it's not what you're expecting. So mm. go and listen. It's very interesting. It is Truly, um, it captures a certain type of favored soundtrack. And I know for a lot of people, it'll bring back really great memories. I mean, mm. voice to man, you can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. Yeah. yeah. Another really interesting part about this interview is you're talking to Wes Moore after he's won, but he's not governor yet. And I'm sure he's recovering. I mean, the campaign was a long, long battle. Is, is he OK? Is he tired? You know, where is he at? The guy looks as fresh as a daisy. <laughs> I don't know how he does it. And and I did ask him. I said, what about things like sleep? What about – listen, he is so tightly scheduled as every governor is, right, every elected official. And he said, honestly, I don't sleep much at night. Um, what I do is I nap. He said, mm. I am a master of the cat nap. And I said, are you serious? He said, no matter where I am, I can be in the car. Uh, of being driven to an appointment. I can be standing <laughs> in a hallway and I can fall asleep on my feet. He can sleep standing up. I said, Whoa. what? And he said, military. I can have a very comfortable sleep literally leaning against a wall. Uh, so I, so my body is just, I get just wired a little bit differently. And then the other thing I asked him about eating on the go. Um, you know, we've all been there as reporters, right? You you grab a granola bar or maybe you stop off at the Mickey D's, you know, wherever yeah. you right. are in your diet journey. Um, and he talked about he's also he said snacks, healthy snacks. Nuts are really good. It's a quick uh, energy boost. Um, and and so that's how he manages. Mm. But, uh, yeah, you do what you can when you can. Um, but he seems supremely comfortable where he is right now. Mm. It seems like he fared well, given the napping and the nuts <laughs> on the campaign trail. But I'm sure there were some things that were maybe unexpected, as he hasn't done this before. Did he talk about the campaign and, um, I don't know, the challenges it presented? He toured the state, obviously, when he's campaigning. And I said, is there an area of the state that you kind of rediscovered or didn't know much about before? Yeah. I had in mind Mountain Maryland. And again, that's because... Very often in the legislature, the uh, lawmakers from Allegheny, Washington, and Garrett, Garrett County yeah. would have to fight for some of the things that, look, we have issues that you guys in the suburbs just don't live with. Mm. For example, and I, it got laughs when it was first brought up, but the destruction that bears do to farmers' cornfields and crops. And people think, ha-ha, and they're talking, you don't understand. This is our livelihood. Right. We, so 
these kinds of things. And he said, you know, that's that is interesting. He said, I have to say, I am even more in love with Maryland than I was before, but I want to attack some of the problems of poverty in areas of the the state that people don't think of when they think of free and reduced meals, people living in poverty. And he mentioned specifically Kent and Dorchester counties. Mm. So he's he's got his eye on some issues in those areas that he wants to address. And um, I think it's going to be a very interesting um, session moving forward in he's got to bring Republicans on board, although the Democratic numbers in the state house are in his favor, right? He right. Can, they can steamroll everything. That's not his nature. I think mm. he really does want to kind of bring people along and also see what he can do for, again, every corner of the state because he realizes there were people who didn't vote for him. Mm. It's a big job, especially pulling in the pet projects that you kind of realized as you were on the campaign trail, combining with, you know, what you ran on yeah. and what the state really needs to address. Well, again, we kept this on the lighter side, but I will tell you, I asked him about here you are, you work so hard, and we've all done it, right? You have a goal in life, and you and you nail the job interview, and now you have the job. Mm. And you realize, I have to deliver. Right. I've got a lot on my plate now. And he said, he reflected for a split second, and he said, well, it's all in the preparation. You know, I prepared for this. He said, it's like when my kids tell me, oh, my gosh, I have a quiz and he, or a test on Friday. And he says, did, did you prepare? Did you do your homework? Did you study? then you can be confident. He said, look, I was never a combat uh, leader before I was a combat leader. I was never a CEO before I became a CEO. I was Mm. never an author. And he said, now, never a governor. And here I am. But it's in the preparation. And he says, in assembling a team around him, his transition team is in place. It's a very large team, as you can imagine. He's got nine separate areas of government that he's looking at. Um, teams. Hmm. And uh, the key, he says, is surrounding yourself with those good, talented people. And again, he's got the first lady who has seen this up close and personal and who knows how Annapolis works. So I think, again, they walk into this feeling prepared for what's ahead. And so as Westmore prepares to take the oath of office in January, what are his priorities and what should voters expect from him come January? Well, one of the things he's going to have to answer for and two, and I don't mean that in a punitive way, but can he really keep that pledge of I don't intend, and he said intend, to raise taxes on the middle class? Mm. Um, people are looking at these very ambitious plans for education, universal pre-kindergarten, raises for teachers. That's all folded up in legislation, by the way, that he's kind of bound to do anyway. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's something he's going to have to keep in mind. There is a $2 billion surplus, but there are some folks on the fiscal side who are warning that looks great on paper, but beware of assuming that, hey, we can coast into this first year and we're going to be fine. There are you know, some concerns on the on the fiscal outlook. So he's got to thread that needle of delivering on these very um, ambitious promises for expanded services, leaving no one behind, getting the red line back for Baltimore. That's a big one. Mm. Um, And also keeping a lid on costs to the average family. Not to pull it back lighter, but it seemed like, okay, so Kate has this great video. Um, She put a couple of videos together of Westmore, and he's just like sitting back, smiling. But he also like, he seemed to light up when you talked about food. Absolutely. I don't know what. So so he's a Maryland guy. I mean, tell me he likes seafood. Uh, th- this is the question. I am 
My mission in life as a reporter who's covered mostly Maryland for my many years in the business, I am really looking to uncover, blow the lid off this town by finding the Marylander who cops to not liking Old Bay. (laughs) Not a thing. So I asked him, I said, Hmm? Old Bay, overrated or nectar of the gods? (laughs) And he said this. Oh, eggs. You can absolutely put Old Bay on eggs. And I do. And, and, And I just feel like it's something where... It, it just adds a level of intensity and spice and flavor and nostalgia in many ways to everything that you eat. And um, and then I asked him, okay, crab cakes versus crab picking. And I bring that up because I remember naively telling a friend of mine who is a hardcore Marylander, I love crabs. Well, I was thinking crab cakes. I love crab cakes. She takes me to go pick crabs, and I'm like, what am I doing? Because <laughs> Kate is from New Jersey, by the way. We should say that. I'm looking Cutting for my pizza. Yeah, I'm like, I don't put my hands on this thing. So it, it was, and so he answers by saying, oh, no, no, no. So here's the deal with the, with uh, crab cakes. You can eat them on the run. You can eat them quickly. It's If you're in a fancy suit and a sit-down meal, okay, great. But when you really want to have the full experience and enjoy and savor the flavor, you want to go and get by the water, uh, be outdoors, mm. get your friends, big old table, maybe a picnic table. You got to have newspapers, right? Spread oh, out. This is making me want like summer so bad. A bushel of crabs yeah. and beer. He's absolutely right on that one. And he said, I'll take that any day of the week. I feel like I can taste when the restaurants make their own Old Bay. I'm like, what are you doing here? No. What are you doing? Ain't it. That's this right. Isn't... That's right. <laughs> All right. So, well, that's, that's heartening. So, and, and it's funny because among the lawmakers, this became a thing, too, when one area lawmaker uh, made a crack about tasting, I think it was Old Bay flavored ice cream. Um, and mm. so it, it is a thing. There's Old Bay everything. I feel like, yeah, we've yeah. done. I once talked to a young woman who put uh, Old Bay on her peanut butter sandwiches. Wow. That's I've never Wait, heard that. what? I wonder if you could even taste it. She said it was amazing. You put enough, I'm sure. I'm sure you could. So, yeah, that's true. So there you go. Sweet and savory. I feel like I know Wes Moore a lot better now. Yeah, me too. Thanks, Kate. You got it. Coming up after the break, I have no clue what we're doing. Luke apparently is going to surprise me with this topic. So you are going to be just as surprised as I am. Backed by the experience of its hardworking members, Steamfitters Local 602 is ready to take on your next commercial heating, cooling, HVAC, or refrigeration project. Steamfitters Local 602 adds value to our community through its partnerships with local contractors and building owners, all while keeping the focus on improving the lives of its members and their families throughout the DMV. For work that's on time and on budget, go to steamfitters-602.org to schedule your next project. That's steamfitters-602.org. Steamfitters Local 602 changing lives. Explain your DNA on, on 10 cases, man. You're inside the police interrogation room with the alleged Potomac River rapist. I'm not guilty on any of this stuff. So calm, so reasonable. Could this be the man who terrorized women for nine years before murdering a brilliant scientist two decades ago? Experience one of the most fascinating true crime podcasts available. Join crime reporter Paul Wagner for Unknown Subject, season three of WTOP's American Nightmare series. Search American Nightmare Podcast on all podcast platforms. And before we go, Megan, I have a question for you. Oh, Lord. Can you whistle? Yeah. Go for it. See that? See, I'm the similar way. Hear me whistle. We can't whistle. We both can't whistle. And it's like a weird thing. Some people Maybe can can't like, whistle. Do it again. 
Okay. All right. That's actually that's a little better. That's a little bit better of a whistle. I really can't whistle. I'm like, as you can hear, <laughs> I can't whistle, and it frustrates me to no end because I love humming and singing to songs and music. And some people can whistle, and I ask everyone who can whistle, like, how do you do it? Like, tell me how to do it. Yeah. And no one can explain it. And it's actually a very interesting phenomenon. You can Google this. Um, it's like people know how to do it, but it's so dependent on the person who is whistling. It's really hard to actually teach the like makes act of whistling because everyone's teeth structure, tongue structure, and like lung apparatus is all different. So it's just the bane of my existence that I really can't like <laughs> whistle well because I want to so bad, but I, I can't. So can't it looks like you've you been work. blessed with the ability. Um, huh. Yeah. And I'm trying to think. I don't even know how I started, like who taught me how to whistle. No, you it, just sort of. Do it. Although Jiminy Cricket taught us all how to whistle, I have I, to say. I don't get that reference. I wish I did. <sighs> <laughs> so how do you whistle, Megan? Tell me. Try to teach me. Okay, so you, you put your lips together like you're going to be sucking on a straw, but you okay. are blowing out instead. Got it. And you... That's something. You pull your tongue down. Okay, like below your teeth? Yeah. And you blow air through, but you can change. It's more your lips that make the tone, not your. That's me. Wait, hold up. <clears throat> you have to do more air. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Dang it, I thought I had it, but no. The whistle avails me. Megan, thanks for trying to help me wow. out. I appreciate it. Wow. I didn't know that was something that people couldn't do. I genuinely didn't. No, no. you know what it reminds me of? How people are like, oh, can you make a clover with your tongue? Yes. Or can you roll your tongue? It feels like that to me. But I wonder if it's a rolling your tongue thing. It might be. Um, can I, you roll your tongue? What? It, yes. For those not seeing us in studio, we both just roll our tongues. <laughs> I'm like, can you do this? Huh. Yeah, I, I, it's a enigma to me. So if you're out there and you're a professional whistle teacher, um, hit me up because I'm eager to learn. Wow. If you're a professional <laughs> whistle teacher, I, I want to hear from you anyway. <laughs> I do. Um, and that'll do it for us today on the DMV I Download. think so. Yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> we are brought to you by Steamfitters Local 602. And our music is by Real World. Give us a review, a whistle, if you get the chance. No, just give us a review and rate our show. We'd love to hear from you, good or bad. You can find us on social media and dmvdownload.com. The DMV Download is a product of WTOP News. Listen on 103.5 FM in D.C., 107.7 FM in Virginia, 103.9 FM in Frederick, online at WTOP.com and on the WTOP News app. Have a great night. 